Thank you for listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you wherever you are. For more information about South Metro Ministries, please visit smmcog.com. I want to take you on a little journey, and I want you to reach for your Bibles, please. And in just a few moments, I'll take you to an Old Testament book that many people refer to as a minor prophet. Eighteen months ago, I was resting very peacefully, early one morning, sound asleep, when suddenly I was awakened with some words. The words that I heard were not spoken to me audibly. I didn't hear them with the natural ear, but I just as well had because it came to me so strong that it awakened me out of my slumber. And the words that I heard were these. Son, I am bringing you into your Amos 9.13 season. I am bringing you into your Amos 9.13 season. Now, I'm like many of you here. I have read the Bible more than one time, more than two or three times through, several times through. But for the life of me, when I had that impression so strongly come upon me, I could not remember what is even said in Amos 9.13. Now, I know the book of Amos. And I know the story of Amos. He was a man that God used to give a very strong word to the people of Israel. He came out of Tekoa. He appeared and he left just about as soon as he showed up. And he took these people to the proverbial woodshed and he gave them a very strong message of conviction, even in places condemnation, because they had turned from God. But like any loving father, when he's spoken a difficult word to his children, even if he's had to punish his children, he will then reach out with arms of love and try to embrace them and give them hope for the future. And that's what is done here. So I knew that story. But I could not recall the, the specific words of Amos 9.13. So I reached to my nightstand for my Bible, and it happens to be a King James Version that I keep at my nightstand. And in the darkness of the early morning, I thumbed through the pages until I found Amos 9.13. And here is what I read from the King James. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. And I kept on reading. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them and I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. I closed my Bible, put it back on my nightstand and said, thanks, I guess. Thanks, God, I suppose. Because even after reading that in the King James, I did not 
get a grasp of what the Lord was saying to me. I attempted to go back to sleep. I fluffed my pillow and turned over and thought, well, I'll just pick up where I left off, but sleep would not come back. These words kept ringing in my heart. In a while, I went on downstairs and went into my study. And on my bookshelves, I have several versions of Scripture and different translations that I enjoy reading and studying from. And one that I particularly enjoy from time to time, I don't read it all that often, but from time to time, I like going to what is called the message. Some people call it the message Bible. And I wanted to see what the message had to say about Amos 9.13. I'm so inquisitive about what God is speaking to my heart. I turned to the message, sitting at my desk, and here's what I read. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. This is God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people. I sat back in my chair at my desk and I said, I think you're talking to me, Lord. You're about to bring me into an accelerated season. Oh, I feel this here tonight. Where things are going to happen so fast, my head will swim. One blessing on the heels of the next. You're going to make everything right. And I just begin to praise him sitting at my desk because he was promising me an accelerated season coming into my life. Now, that was significant because in seven days, I was going to be out of a job. This was seven days from the General Assembly. And my tenure was up on the executive committee, and everybody knew it, and I knew it. Didn't need to be reminded of it. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Rumors were floating around about what I might do, but nobody knew for sure what I might do. And I went to the General Assembly, and I'm sitting there, as the elections are taking place, and before I knew what had happened, I had been elected to serve this great church as its general director of Church of God World Missions. And even as I heard the announcement after the votes were read, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Son, I told you seven days ago, I'm bringing you into your Amos 9.13 season. Now, you know that when you're elected to something in this great church, the tradition is you get up and you make a little speech, a brief little speech. Everybody hopes it's a brief little speech. And the way this thing goes, you get up and you thank those who voted for you and you basically apologize to those who did not, and that's what I was doing that day. And so I went through all of that. And even as I was doing that, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, I'm bringing you into your Amos 9.13 season. I walked off the stage, and what I'm about to tell you really happened. I walked off the stage. Somebody who would know the information I'm about to tell you walked up to me, slapped me on the back, said, Congratulations, Brother Tim. You owe $250,000. I said, Pardon me? That's right. If you're going to take the reins of leadership in Church of God World Missions, you need to know walking in the door that the missionary deficit is up to $250,000. That means we've spent money we don't have, and we've already notified 30 of them they're coming home. I said, really? Yeah. 
pulled John Childers aside. I said, no, John, neither one of us need vindication. It's not about vindication. However, there's a lot of people out there wondering how you and I got here. Neither of us are missionaries. We don't have field experience. We're well-traveled. We've all been around the world, but, but we're not missionaries. And there are a lot of people out there scratching their head wondering how in the world we got here. But I, I don't need vindication. But I sure could use some validation. But I said more than validation, our missionaries need a miracle. And the executive committee had already asked me to receive the offering in that world mission service before I knew I would ever be elected as general director, they had asked me to receive the offering. And, and we determined that we would receive the offering for missionary support. John and I prayed. And I said, John, I want you to believe with me for a miracle from God. The Holy Spirit came down as just the two of us prayed together backstage of that auditorium in that convention center in Orlando. And immediately the power of God just began to move in behalf of missionaries around the world. Word got out about what the need was. And for two days before I could get up and take that offering on Thursday night, pastors just like many of you would walk up to me and you said, I heard what the need is. Here's $1,000. Some walked up with $10,000. I had state councils walking up with $20,000. Nationally known ministries were calling me from overseas saying, put me down for $50,000. Another called and said, put me down for twenty-five. dollars We needed $250,000, but when I stood in that pulpit that night I already had 200,000 in my hand and I heard the Holy Ghost say I told you I'm bringing you into your Amos 9:13 season I presented the need and good church of God people just like you sitting here tonight that were there that night gave over seven hundred thousand dollars to keep missionaries on the field and when they brought me the total I looked at the tape with teary eyes and I heard the Holy Ghost say why are you surprised son I told you I'm bringing you into your Amos 9 13 season one blessing on the heels of the next things happening so fast your head will swim and I came by to tell somebody here in the North Georgia camp meeting tonight God is bringing you into an Amos 9 13 season a season of favor a season of blessing, a season that is going to translate into a new paradigm of favor from Almighty God that only He can do. I don't intend to be up here very long, but I need to be here long enough to tell you three things God said to me that He's going to do in this season. Number one, He said in the Amos 9:13 season, I will exceed all you expect. Now, I've traveled this world in the last 18 months, and I need to warn you about something. There is a new epidemic. You need to know this. There is an epidemic of global proportion. It is sweeping continents. It is transversing oceans. It has found its way to the United States of America. I'm seeing it in most places that I go. It's an epidemic. And once I tell you about it, you're, you're going to want to be inoculated for this. You will want to prepare for this. Let me just tell you what it is. It's the epidemic of expired expectation. As a matter of fact, a lot of people's expector has already expired. 
And we sing about this great God and we preach about this great God, but I wonder when it comes down to my life, when it comes down to your life, do we really believe God will do the things that we read that he did in this Bible? But I went to a physician the other day. His name was Dr. Jesus. And I walked into his office rolling up my sleeve and I said, I need a shot in this arm of faith right here. I said, I need a shot. I need you to inoculate me. I need you to put a vaccine in me. As a matter of fact, the medicine of choice is Ephesians 3 and 20 that says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. I need to tell you in the Amos 9, 13 season, you need to get ready. God is going to exceed everything that you've ever expected him to do. That's the season that we're in. Number two. The Lord said in the Amos 9, 13 season, I will increase all you invest. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will I cause men to give unto your bosom. And by the way, Jesus was not taking an offering when he said that. He was actually talking about forgiveness right there. But the principle applies. In the Amos 9.13 season, you just need to understand you cannot beat God giving no matter how hard you try. What I'm talking about was modeled beautifully when Jesus fed the thousands of men plus the women and children one day. The Bible says that he's ministered to them all day long and toward evening. He looks at Philip and he asks this question, where can we buy bread that all of these may eat? Now, how many understand when God asks a question, he doesn't need that information? Man, I feel like preaching here tonight. It's that red back hymnal singing that did this to me. Well, God doesn't need the information. He, he will ask you something to see where you are and test your faith. And he asks this to Philip, and, 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 and Philip goes into a panic. He, he says, Lord, now let's analyze this. First of all, there's too many people. And secondly, there's too little food. And thirdly, it's too late in the day. Bottom line, too much, too little, too late. It can't be done. And there's a lot of that in a lot of churches today. Don't go there, pastor, because it's too much, too little, too late. Don't cast that vision because it's too much, too little, too late. Don't preach that. Don't pray for that because it's too much, too little, too late. And that's what he said. It cannot be done. I've talked to Judas. There's not enough money in the bag. There's not any food around. It just can't be done. But about that time, Andrew stepped up. And Andrew had already seen a little boy out there that he seems to be the only one that had enough sense in that crowd to bring something to eat that day. And he runs him up to Jesus. He's all excited as a lad here. And about that time in his peripheral vision, he looks out and sees the size of the crowd. And he says, now on second thought, I'm sorry I brought this up. Because what is this among so many? But Jesus looks at that child and he says, Son, if you'll do one thing, we'll feed this crowd. If you will transfer what's in your hand into my hand, I'll transform what you transfer. Oh, yeah. And that little boy put his food in the hands of Jesus. And when he put it in the hands of Jesus, it was nothing but a basket lunch of a little bread and a little fish. But when Jesus took it and blessed it and break it and began to give it away, that little basket lunch became a mighty banquet to feed everybody there because God will increase all you invest. When you invest your talent, he will increase it. When you invest your time, he will increase it. When you invest your treasure, he will increase it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? In the Amos 9.13 season, God will Will increase all you invest. 
But here's what I came to preach about. God spoke to me and he said, in the Amos 9.13 season, I will accelerate time to accomplish my kingdom purpose in you. I will hasten time. I will accelerate time to accomplish my kingdom purpose in you. And I'm of the belief that the nearer we get and the closer we get to the manifestation of God's kingdom upon this earth, the less confining and the less restrictive seasons are going to be. Now that's strong. We are accustomed to confining seasons. We are accustomed to the restrictions that are upon us, the limits that are upon us. But not in the Amos 9.13 season. You see, Amos was, by his own admission, a farmer. By his own admission, he was not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. He was a sheep herder. He took care of the sycamore trees. And so when he begins to speak, he speaks in a language and from a foundation that is common to those he's speaking to. He knows what he's talking about, and they know what he's talking about. A farmer is talking to people that understand the farming lifestyle and the farming language. And he begins to speak to them about this season thing. And the typical concept of, of season is that time is involved between planting and reaping the harvest. Farmers have lived and died forever by what is said in Genesis 8, as long as the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest. One translator wrote it like this. He broke it up. He said, as long as the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest with the emphasis on time and everything that goes on during that span of time before you get a harvest. Now, we understand the concept of season, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, sometimes 120 days, depends on the climate, depends on where you live, but, but most people understand that a season is at least three months to four months. That's what the disciples understood when they had gone into the village to buy food and and they came back, and when they returned, Jesus had been talking to the woman of Samaria at Jacob's well, and they couldn't comprehend the fact that he had spoken to this woman, and especially of, of a Samaritan background, and, and they weren't ready for that kind of harvest. But Jesus said, don't say any longer four months. Then cometh harvest. Jesus is indicating here there's an acceleration going on in the spirit. God's not confined to the nature he created. He steps in and out of time at his pleasure. He created it. He can adjust it. Oh, y'all not with me tonight. I'm preaching better than anybody's shouting. He made it. He formed it. He spoke it into being. He can step in and out of it anytime he gets ready. Don't box him in. Jesus said, don't say it's a four-month process anymore. Because harvest is now. It's what I call in my book the already factor. He said the fields are white already under harvest. 
There's a miracle waiting for somebody because the already factor has already kicked in. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And God is going to adjust our typical concept of seasons. Now, I need a little help here. I want you to see what we're doing. Pastor Mature, would you come up here and help me, please? Now, this is Pastor Alan. I've called you Matura. Matura, what is your name? Whatever you call me. Thank you. But tonight, this is Brother Harvest. Everybody say hello to Brother Harvest. Brother Harvest, I need you to go stand down there by that keyboard, please. I don't need you to play. Just stand there and look handsome. Now, we want a harvest. But to get a harvest, we got to have a seed. Brother Rabin, would you come up here and help me just a minute? This is Brother Rabin Wilson, but tonight, would you please say hello to Brother Seed? This is Brother Seed. This is Brother Seed. Now, Brother Seed, you've got the easiest part of my little illustrated sermon here tonight. All you got to do is stand there with your hands folded like that and look like your handsome self. That's all you got to do. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. You know, the Bible says unless a seed is just left alone to fall in the ground and die. We, we, we're not making any demands of you tonight. Just, just the seed's going to fall in the ground, be left alone, do what a seed does. We plant this because we want that. We plant seed because otherwise you're wasting your time. Why are you planting a seed if you don't want to harvest? You plant with expectation. You plant because you've got something in mind. Now, between this seed and this harvest, there's this thing in the middle called a season. Seed, time, and eventually, if everything goes right, we get harvest. But let me show you what goes on in this span here. I, I still need some help. Come here, Ryan, up here. Come here and stand by your father. Now, now, this is Brother Ryan, but tonight this is Brother Work. Everybody say hello to Brother Work. There's a lot of work that goes on between planting the seed and reaping the harvest. And the definition of work is what its name implies. Now, Ryan, I need you to help me work this ground here. You got it. You've seen me preach this before, I think. Now, work means that somebody, I'm sorry to use these words, but somebody's going to sweat. Oh, don't let me preach there. We got a lot of folks don't like sweat. They don't like to work. They just want to skate through this thing. But work involves sore muscles and calloused hands and perspiring brows and, and aching backs. And, and you just got to till that ground and keep that shovel going. And every now and then you got to hold that fallow ground and break up that hard ground because we're doing this for you. All you got to do is stand there and just, just be there. We're doing this for you. He's working for you because we got to protect the seed in this process. And you never let up. You always got to keep on working, everybody. Keep on working. You've always got to work. Now, now, Barry Garland, come up here and help me. I think you saw me do this in Africa, too. You knew I was coming to you. I believe the Lord had already witnessed to your heart that I was going to call you out, Brother Barry. Now, this is Brother Barry Garland, but tonight he's not Brother Barry Garland. This is Brother Water. Would you say hello to Brother Water? Stay right here, Brother Water. Now, what I need you to do, I need you to water the seed that we planted, just like it. There you go. 
Come on, put, put a little more heart into it there, Brother Barry. Thank you, thank you. We need a thunder shower here. There you go. And you're doing good. You're actually better than the guy I had last week do this. Honestly, I had a guy last week up in Baltimore do that. He went like this. I said, that, that's not the effect I'm after. I just shower on that thing. You see, because one works, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. We got to have this. We got to have some water. And you got to water the seed with your patience. And you water the seed with your faith. And you water the seed with your hope. And you water the seed with your faithfulness because we want to see you grow into a harvest. It's called process. It's called time. Now the preacher's in the house. Come up here, Johnny. I take it you've been here before? One time. Come over here, Brother Johnny. That's Brother Johnny Ziegler. But tonight, this is not Brother Johnny Ziegler. This is Brother Weed. Everybody say, hold Brother Weed. It's Brother Weed. Now, Johnny, we're not going to smoke some. We're going to pull some. We're going to pull some. We're going to pull some weeds. So, so help me. I'll never get through it now that I got him up here. It's not going to work. This is going downhill fast. Really, I had a guy the other place. Keep working over here. Keep keep watering. I had a guy the other night. He looked like he'd been smoking some. I'm telling you, he he never did get with it. Now, Johnny, what? I'm sorry, brother Weed. What we got to do here? We got to pull some weeds. Now, what I need you to do? I need you to reach down and just start just pulling up some weeds out of this out of this field because you got an enemy to your harvest, brother Weed. There's an enemy to your harvest called Satan, and he wants to make sure he sows weeds in your harvest field. He sows tares because those tares pull the nutrients away from this seed. And if he can sow enough tares and sow enough seed, uh, uh, tares and weeds, he, he's going to pull the vitamins and the, and the nutrition away from that seed, and you're going to wither and die before you ever have a chance to become a harvest. So what I need you to do, brother, we is just, oh, come on, buddy, you got to get with this. Now, now, if you'd called me up here, I've been running the aisles for you. Reach down there, pull out weeds of, oh, you got it now, weeds of jealousy and weeds of envy and weeds of sin and weeds of compromise, and, and you got it. You got to pull some weeds. And I feel like preaching now. So, so you got to work. It's part of this. You got to water. You got to weed. What do I do with my glasses? There they are. Is there a lady down here who's got one of those big, glitzy-looking watches on? I need, a, I need a watch. I mean, a, I don't care if it works or not. It's just got, that's one right there. Who are you? Bring that watch and come up here. Put it back on. Put it back on your wrist. What's your name? Margie? Monty. Come over here. Your student pastor's wife. Well, tonight she's not your student pastor's wife. This is Sister Wait. Everybody say, hello, Sister Wait. W-A-I-T. Hello, Sister Wait. Keep working over here. You, you getting lazy on me. Come on, water this. Weed. Come on, Johnny, weed that thing. Now, I struggle with you. I don't know you, but I struggle with you. 
I can handle this because it keeps me busy in the work of the Lord. I can do this because it keeps me refreshed. Intercession refreshes me. Getting in God's presence in someone's behalf helps me. I can do this. A little better than Johnny's doing it, but I can do this. Don't hurt yourself now. Just. But I struggle with this. Let me see that. Well, where's that watch at? And I get right here and I say, when? When? I've been working, but when? I've been watering and weeding, trying to get this up, but when? The second hand has died and the battery's died and nothing's happening fast enough for me. And God, when? When, God? And maybe it goes like this. Now, now God, I, I was in church last Sunday and Pastor Allen preached this great sermon on faith and and I just laid it all on the altar because I'd lost my job and, and I walked away from that sermon and I walked away from that service thinking by, by this time next week I'd have me a job and, and it hadn't happened yet. They haven't called and they're going to pick up my truck next Monday if you don't. Sh- when? When? When do I get a harvest? Or maybe it goes like this for somebody. God, I dedicated that baby. When that child was two weeks old, I took him to church for the first time and, and I, I lifted him up. Pastor held him in his arms and anointed his head with oil and prayed and I felt the Holy Ghost witness to me that someday he might be a preacher or a teacher or a doctor or something. I, but, but, but God, he came in, he's 18 now. He came in last, last Saturday at three o'clock in the morning drunk out of his mind. He's in there in the bathroom hugging the porcelain. Throwing his toenails up. Is this too much for you? I'm sorry. Sometimes I just don't have much dignity about me. I just like to tell it like it is. That's what I'm living with, God. And I just need to know. When? And this is the typical concept of a season. We planted a seed. We work it. We water it. We're weeding. And we're waiting. But along comes Amos. In Amos 9, 13, and God through Amos says, I'm going to adjust your season. I'm about to accelerate time so that the distance between seed and harvest isn't as tedious. And the distance between seed and harvest isn't as long. And I'm about to do something where years becomes months and months becomes weeks and weeks becomes days and days becomes hours and hours, minutes and minutes, seconds. I'm going to accelerate time to accomplish my kingdom purpose. Come here, Brother Steve Brown. Help me just a minute. Brother Steve, I just need you to hold my microphone right here. Right here. Right there. Don't make me bend over. Just hold it up right there. Seed, you stay there. Harvest, you stay there. I need everybody in between to quit doing what you're doing and reach out and take my hands and touch my arms. Right there. Now, God says... You've been used to this season, this tedious season that involves working till you feel like you can't go another step, watering and weeding and waiting, all oh, the waiting. But in the Amos 9:13 season, he says, I'm going to constrict time. I'm going to accelerate the season. 
And the meaning of Amos 9.13 literally is God is going to pull in the season. He's going to accelerate the season so that it doesn't take as long to work and it doesn't take as long to weed and it doesn't take as long to water and it doesn't take as long to wait. Everybody else stay here, but Steve, you can sit down. Thank you. Seed, move over here a little closer. Harvest, move over here a little closer. Right there, right there. You wake up one day. My God, anybody feel this? You wake up one day and you realize God's done something in your life. You see, Jesus walked into the synagogue one day and he reached through the curtain and got the scrolls of Isaiah and he said, let me read you something. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and, and they're, they're all sitting there waiting on a Messiah. They're all sitting there waiting on a deliverer in about a thousand years. Maybe some of them hoping for 500 years, but no sooner than 500 years. And Jesus is here, and he's reading this, and that's right, we're waiting on that kind of guy. And, and he's reading, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Oh, that's right, Jesus, we're waiting on that man. About a thousand years, maybe five, but we're waiting on him. He rolls up that scroll, puts it back behind the curtain, takes a seat on the front row, clears his throat, and says, let me tell you something. Today... Is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing? It's not a thousand years from now. It's not 500 years from now. It's right here, right now. It's the already factor. It's today. He squeezed in the season to bring harvest closer to the seed. In the Amos 9, 13 season, God compresses accelerates, compacts, moves in the components of the season that draws the harvest closer to the seed. That's the least you can expect. Everybody say, the least I can expect is that God accelerates the season. But God said, I'm not after the least you can expect. I will exceed all you expect. I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. So what happens in the Amos 9.13 season is not the least you can expect, but it's more than you can expect. And he looks at Brother Work and he says, thank you very much, but go take your seat. And he looks at Brother Water and says, thank you, Water, but go take your seat. And he says, Brother Weed, God bless you, but go take your seat. And he looks at Mother Time and he says, you can go take your seat. And all of a sudden, Pastor, you wake up one day, Pastor, and you realize there's nothing between your seed and your harvest. God just removed every obstacle. God just stepped in and he pulled out the stuff between your seed and your harvest. He pulled out all of the constraining thing. He pulled out of the heartbreak. He, he pulled out all of the hardship and there's nothing between your seed and your harvest and you literally wake up one day and seed overlaps harvest and harvest overlaps seed and seed overlaps harvest and, har oh, and harvest overlaps seed. That's what God is bringing North Georgia into. It's your Amos 913 season. Things happening so fast your head will swim. One blessing on the heels of the next. Somebody praise him. Stay with me, guys. Come over here. Come over here. Now, 
What I just showed you with all those people is the message version. Let me go back to the King James Version. Won't y'all stand up? It'll make me preach faster. Because I'm really almost through. Let me show you the King James Version. The King James Version says the plowman shall overtake the reaper. The one who prepares the ground, plants the seed, will be breathing down the neck of the one who reaps the harvest, saying, get out of my way. It's time to till the ground again. And as soon as he can till it and plant the seed, the harvester is breathing down his neck saying, no, you get out of my way. It's time to reap what you planted. The ground is so fertile. God's blessings are so abundant that the ground just automatically yields the harvest from the seed that you sow. That's the season God's brought us into. So it looks like this. I forgot who's who. You're the plowman. Face that wall. You're the harvest. You get in front of him. The plowman shall overtake the reaper. You, you got it. You got it. You got it. That's right. Get out of my way. It's already time to plant. It's already to get out. Get, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the season. That's the season. That's the season. God has. My God, God is removing the struggle. God is removing the struggle out of your season. Somebody praise him in this house. Raise your hands and praise him, somebody. I feel this. You're going to think I lost my mind, but I, I felt something when you guys started doing that. I need me about 20 pastors down here right now. Come on, about 20 of you. Get down here. I need about 20 of you. Get down here. Get down here. Get down here, preachers. Come on, about 20 of you. I've never done this. I want y'all to pair off like you just saw them do. I want one man behind the next and, and leave some space in, but it's two and two and two and two. Two, that's right, that's right. Just work it, work it here, work it here. That's right, work it, work it, work it. God's fixing to show us something here. I feel the Holy Ghost in this. Now, now give us some space. You move up here a little bit. You move up behind him right there. Right there, stay right. Give me some space. Give me some space between here. Move up, guys. Give me some space. Now give me somebody. Come up here. Ray, come over here. I just want us to practice this. There's something happening in the spirit when, when they did this a while ago. When, 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 when Brother Mature and Brother Raven started doing that, something happened in the Holy Ghost. The seed started getting in front of the harvest, and the harvest started getting in front of the seed. And, and all that struggle in between, God just reached in and pulled it out. When I start doing this, I want you to do it. I want you to get right in front, then you get in front, then you get in front. Then you, Are you ready? My God, let's just do it. I just, I feel soft. I know, my God, that looks like a foolish thing. But I just feel the, I just feel the Holy Ghost. I just feel, my God, get out of my way. It's time to harvest. Get out of my way. It's time to harvest. 
Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Somebody ought to raise your hands and worship God in this house. Something just broke. Something just broke. Somebody's struggle just ended. Oh, you better you better get out here with me. Come on, everybody. Get down here. Get down here. Get down here. Everybody, come down here. I gotta stop. God spoke to me while I was writing this book. He said there's a pace to grace. And what I've been living the last 18 months is the pace of grace. One thing happening so fast, I can't keep up with it. You pastors in the church of God can appreciate what I'm about to say. You know for the last going on five years, the denomination has been in a gradual reduction year after year financially of a self-imposed decision that we made. We, we felt like it was God's will for us to make that decision to leave more money in the local church than we send away. So while that basic budget's been coming down, we've been budgeting for it, we've been preparing for it, but listen to this. Listen to this. I'm only talking world missions now. And I believe it's happening on the other side of the street, but I can tell you what's happening in world missions. Dr. Baker, in world missions, three years running. The voluntary heartfelt giving of people that still love missions believe in the harvest has gone through the roof while that basic tithe budget is making its final adjustment next year your giving to reach souls for the kingdom has shot through the ceiling it's the pace of grace I heard it from our brother that opened the service tonight in the Malayalam church. It's the pace of grace. I'm hearing it from some of you pastors as I walk these aisles and hallways today about how God's blessing you and putting his hand. It's the pace of grace. One blessing on the heels of the next. Things happening so fast. What was that? That was a blessing. What was that? Junior just got saved. What was that? Church just got paid off. What was that? A cancer just got healed. What was that? A miracle. Your head will swim. Raise your hands high in the air. Say, God, I receive the blessing tonight. I receive the promise of Amos 9.13. I receive the favor of Amos 9.13. It is my favored time. It is my favored season. Raise those hands high and say, Father, put that favor in my hands. And whoever I touch with these hands, may that favor transfer into their life. And when it does, may it transform their life. In Jesus' name.
Now turn around and touch somebody right now. Touch somebody with favor. Touch somebody. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. If you're sick, be healed. If you're in need, receive a miracle. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing is coming my way. It's a season of power and prosperity. It's a new season that God is bringing to you and to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a healing. There's a healing. There's a healing here. There's a healing here. There's a healing here. I tell you what, I'm just going to obey God here, Brother Larry. Since I turned 54, I don't have as many prayer lines as I used to have. And I don't jump off stages like I used to either. And I'm not going to do it long tonight. As a matter of fact, I'm not having a... Who is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Ah. Raise your hands and receive it, somebody. The Lord said, stretch the cords, strengthen the stakes, because I am expanding the borders of your tent. I am enlarging the boundaries of your habitation. Yay, 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 yay. I am enlarging the boundaries of your habitation, and I will favor you in this season. Old things pass away. All things become new. And you will walk in my favor and in my prosperity, saith the Lord. Raise your hands and praise him. Where's those 20 preachers that walked with me a minute ago? Get up here on this stage with me. Get up here. Get up here. Get up here. I don't want to mess up these pretty decorations here but but try to get right on the edge just just get right stand on the edge put a little space between stand right on the edge stand right on the edge get over here some of you get over here i want to take five minutes and as long as you'll come if you need a miracle tonight if you need an accelerated blessing if you need an accelerated miracle as long as you come just start reaching up to these men and let them reach down and take your hand into their hand just, that's right. Just start coming. Sing something, Ray. Start coming. Start coming. As long as you'll come. That's right. Reach up to him. Reach up to him. Reach up to him. In the name of Jesus, the miracle is yours. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
For more information, visit smmcog.com.